All right, you guys ready to get into the word today? Yes. We thought it would be awesome to go out with a banger and end the basic training uh, series from some of our young adult leaders. And so these are fresh graduates, and uh, one of them that's going to be speaking uh, graduated from the Lit Team program. And, uh, but the first person, though, that's going to be speaking this morning, um, I, I started a journey with him a few years ago. I've known him for a long time, but I started a journey with him about a year and a half ago where he came to me one day and he said, hey, Pastor James, I, I really want to become uh, a pastor. I want to start preaching and, and teaching. And the first thing I did was try to talk him out of it. Uh, because I want to know that his motives are for the right reasons, you know, and that we're always held to that higher standard. And, um, and so I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I said, I see this ramp for you. And I just began to give him vision. I said, I see you serving in the youth for at least one year before you're ever on a platform. And I said, if you can do that and you can stick it out, because that's a big part of, of being a leader is just always returning and coming back. I said, if you could do that for a year, I said, I'll give you the opportunity to speak your first message. So he went through his first year and uh, grinded it out with us in the youth, in the mud, you know, <laughs> and uh, finished his first year and he preached his first message and uh, you could just see the gift in him and you could see just this igniting flame, this, this passion that came alive in him. And uh, I'm excited that he's kicking off um, part of the passage today for, we're going to be in James chapter five. So if you brought a Bible, turn there. And at the same time, will you give a big, warm center point welcome to Landon as he takes the platform? Hey, church, how you doing? Good. My name is Landon. Uh, I'm going to be speaking on James, just like as James said. Kind of funny. I'm going to help closing out this uh, basic training series, and I'm really excited to be speaking for the youth takeover, too, because the youth really are taking over right now. And it's so awesome. So would you guys just turn with me to James 5, chapter 13 and 14? Sorry, verse 13 and 14. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Let's go back to that in a second because I think you might have missed something. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. What do you do in times of pain? Pray. What do you do in times of joy? Pray. What do you do in times of, I mean, like questioning? Pray. Don't ever make it a last resort. Like do everything else and then pray. No, pray right away. It says you should pray. So say it with me. Let them pray. It's good. That's really good, honestly. <laughs> but there's something that you might have missed is that it's so important to God to take that time alone, that secret place. It's so sacred to God but only if you shift your perspective on God. And that's my main point today. Shift your perspective on God. So say that with me. Shift your perspective, shift your perspective on, God. on God. Good. Let's keep reading. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Praise is such a powerful word too, just like prayer. But praise can be many things, not just worship, it can be prayer. It can be, God, you're good today. But worship is so amazing to me, at least, because it is a place where you can just surrender everything, put your hands to God, and God just overflows you with joy. He overflows you with peace. You're just there, and that whole week never happened. Because you're there. If you look around, some people literally can't get a smile off their face when they're worshiping. Because the joy of the Lord comes over you, and it gives you healing in that moment. 
I've had a rough week sometimes, and I'll come and literally fall to my knees and be like, God, this week sucked. But thank you. And God just overflows you with joy and peace because I shifted my perspective on God. And some of us need to shift our perspective. So say that with me again. Shift your perspective, shift your perspective. On, God. on God. Shift your perspective, shift your perspective. on God. On God. <laughs> Let's keep reading. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. This last bit's really crucial. But a lot of us read just the elders portion and like, okay, we have to go to people older than me, you know what I mean? Like, like cool, they're wise and stuff. But like, there's more than that. Just the pastors praying over you. It's even more powerful than that. It's the community, right? It's deeper. You have to get involved with community. You need community. You need people to pray over you. It says it right there. Let them pray over you. Because we all focus on the individual portion of it. Praying just to God alone in our rooms, in our places of, of secretness. But... God wants others to pray over you. And it's so powerful when you give somebody else your problems to pray over your problems instead of praying for somebody else's problems. Because we can easily point out somebody's mistakes. But when somebody else points out ours, that's when it hits home. But you have to shift your perspective on God. Say that with me again. Shift your perspective, shift your perspective. on God. On God. Good. For the last five years or so, I wasn't really living my life for God. I was raised in a Christian home. And as you know, a lot of people that are raised in a Christian home either go the good way or the bad way. I definitely went the bad way. My mom did a great job at raising me. She was awesome. But I just chose to do other things. But when I hit the age of 13, that's when I made my decision to follow Christ. That's when I went to church and I said, God, I want to follow you because when you say it, when you declare it, not your parents. When you say, God, I want to shift my perspective on you and I want to follow you, that's when something else completely happens. That's when the blur becomes clear. That's when the focus is right on God. That's when you can see again. You don't need glasses. You need nothing because the world is not broken, but it's fixed. It's clear. So say, shift your perspective on God. And when I got saved, I was like, cool, I'm a Christian now. I'm chilling. Christian ladies, where you at? That's how I felt. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, I was like, sick. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then I got comfortable, right? I sat in my chair. It's like, cool, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven now. But what do you do in a chair? You sit. You don't want to move. You get comfortable. When you get comfortable, you're like, I like my spot. I have my little butt cushion seat that you sit in. You're just like there. You lean back, recline. But to shift your perspective to God, you got to move. You got to go. You have to change the way you live. Okay? And so I had to get up. And I went. And when I got up, I found this church. And oh, did God meet me there. I went to seek now. I know he met me. And God, he met me in that place. And I shifted my perspective and my point of view was focused on God. But it's one thing to look at God, but it's another to completely go to him, to surrender to him. Because we can have the habit of prayer. We can have the habit of worship. We can have the habit of community, right? But what is it without God? God is the center of all of it. To shift your perspective on God means you need to literally make a shift in your life. Shift in your life. Some of you are sitting in your chairs today and you have not gotten up in years. Y'all need to get up and shift your perspective on God 
and change those habits to lifestyle. That is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. Prayer is a lifestyle. And praise is a lifestyle. God should be your lifestyle. So say it with me. Shift your perspective, Shift your perspective. On, God. on God. Shift your perspective, Shift your perspective. On, God. on God. And never make it habits. Make it a lifestyle. Thank you, guys. Come on, one more time. Shift your perspective on God. Oh, come on. I think we're all ready to shift our perspective, Landon. That's good. Um, the next person that I have uh, that's going to be coming up to speak, um, my wife and I, we took her under our wing about a year and a half ago and started a journey with her. And um, one of the things that I admired about her is she just has this gift of faith that you're going to see. And, and really all of them that are coming up here, it's great that we're talking about faith in the book of James because this is something that they carry. And um, I'm excited because really about in the course of a year and a half, I've just seen such a transformation in her life. We've walked with her through transition of high school, you know, through transition of figuring out what our friends and how will we be with one another and just to see where she was a year and a half ago and where she is now and to be off the platform and champion and watch her um, just kill it up here. I'm just so excited. So will you guys give a big warm welcome to Myla as she takes the platform. Good morning, Centerpoint family. I'm Myla Reyes, as James said. I'm 18 years old. I just graduated from Temecula Valley. Can I get a praise for that? Because I am free and out, but I'm happy to be here. Our time together is short and sweet, so we're going to jump right into it. Today, we're looking at James 5, verse 15 through 16. And this verse goes deep into the power of prayer. This verse, reverse, this verse refers to the faith of the people turning to the Lord and praying. Some of us haven't prayed, and it shows. You see, I, Myla, cannot heal, but God can. And our prayer, when we turn to God, are part of God's healing process. That is why God often waits for our prayer of faith. He's longing to hear our heart, longing for us to call upon him. At one point in my life, I was walking down a path of darkness. I was surrounded by it. And I was not close to God but I knew he was pursuing me, I knew he was there. Until I chose to call upon him, he then stepped into my life. And he set me on a path towards love, healing, and forgiveness. You see, God is a God of love. He's not going to force himself into our lives. He is a God of love and free will, so he will come into our lives when we choose to call upon him. With that, let's step into the verse. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. My main point is this. Prayer is powerful. Put it in practice. Prayer is powerful, but only if you put it in practice. Prayer has a power to heal a sick person, but only if you put it in practice. Prayer has a power to fuel the fire of our soul, but only if we put it in practice. Prayer has a power to open our hearts to Jesus and be forgiven of our sins, but only if we call upon the Lord and put it in practice. A key understanding to life is that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I like the way the NLT version puts it. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. It gives an example in James 5, 17 through 18. Elijah was just as human as we are. 
He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Everybody say this out loud. Prayer is powerful. Put it in practice. practice. Miracles happen when we start to pray. In verse 16, it says, confess your sins and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What James shows us in verse 16 is that when we pray for each other, we show our dependence on God. But some of us may not feel like we can pray for each other because we have not been healed. It's like this. Say you come from a divorced family and you prayed and prayed God would restore your family. Then you start serving in the church, your prayers have not been answered, but you encounter a 13-year-old girl, and she comes up to you and says, my parents just told me they were separating. But because our God is so good, you've seen that he has been faithful even through the trials, so you walk and talk with her, and you pray with her, and she sees how faithful God is, and the healing process starts to show. And because our God is so good and compassionate, faith comes down from heaven and flows like an electric current, not only healing that girl, but healing yourself as well. Some people may feel disqualified that, to pray for others because they have not been healed. But who are we to withhold Scripture and the Holy Spirit's power from the children of God just because our needs have not been met? When we start to pray for others, it shows that we trust God to change someone else's circumstance regardless of our own. It shows that you believe that the Holy Spirit will come and perform miracles even if you haven't seen it in your own life yet. We have the same power that raised Jesus from life from the dead. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. If all of us started to pray earnestly in the church, church, imagine how many more souls would be saved. More often than not, praying is the last resort when all else has failed. People would rather go through H-E, double hockey sticks, and back, trying every logical and practical solution rather than go to God first. But going to God first doesn't mean you're going to have it your way. This isn't Burger King, y'all. Going, I think people don't like to go to God first because they'd rather handle it their own way. In the Bible, it says, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways higher than my ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God's power is infinitely greater than ours. His hand is on our lives. It only makes sense to rely on God first and foremost. As Christians, we have full access to the most powerful resource available, and that is communion with God through prayer. It's right at our fingertips. After I was delivered from my heathen days, Um, I made it a point to walk and talk with God. I was so fired up about my faith. I was like, God, where do you want me to go? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm here, I'm here for you, I'm ready to serve you. What do you want from me, what do you want from me? And he said, be still and rest. And I was like, God, what do you want from me? I'm here, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm, I'm your servant, give me something to do. And he said, be still and rest. And again, I ignored it, and I was like, what do you want from me? I'm here, give me something to do. And he said, be still and rest. But when I chose to obey the Lord and sit with him and rest in his presence and walk and talk with him, wow, it was like nothing I had ever imagined. I was filled with love and grace and joy. And he poured on me blessings upon blessings far than I can ever imagine. Prayer is the means of salvation. When we posture our heart towards God, and learn his heart, and pray to him, and pour out to him. He shows us what good can come from a life in him. 
God wants nothing more than to be close with you. He wants to hear you. He wants to know your heart. And as you learn his, he starts to change ours. I've seen so many great things in my life that I'm beyond thankful for. How blessed are we that God sent his only son to die for our sins. Christ made it possible to go directly to God so that we may be forgiven. Prayer is so powerful. I encourage you to put it in practice. Thank you. So good. One more time. Prayer is powerful. Put it in practice. Come on, that's a word for somebody today. And um, I'm just excited. Are you guys getting something out of this today? Yes. I love it. Well, we got one more person that's going to come up and just tell you a little bit about the backstory of, of my relationship with him. Is about a year and a half ago, uh, this young man was sitting right over here in this section about the third row. It was after our third service. And I saw him sitting there by himself, and everybody's starting to clear out of the room. And so I beelined over to him, and I had a seat next to him and just started to introduce myself. And, um, you know, I just said, hey, you should come hang out with me on Wednesday night at, at youth. And he said, okay, what time does it start? And I said, it starts at 630. And one thing that I learned about him that next week when he showed up was uh, he's the type of person who is the first to get there, and he's the last to leave. He doesn't leave until everything's put away. He never complains. He's a person that just loves serving others. And I, then over the next couple of weeks, I said, hey, we have this thing called the Lit Team that's going to be starting up. And I said, I feel like you're supposed to be on it. And so he went into the Lit Team program and just been part of the anchor of what we do in CP Youth. And um, he's been preaching to some of your students that are next door sometimes. And uh, I'm excited for you to hear from him this morning. And he's really, really tall, but I call him my little brother. So will you guys just give a big warm welcome to Kyle as he takes the platform. How's everyone doing? Good. Good? Okay, good. I'm glad we're all awake. It's already 1030 or... Later than that, 11.25, wow. So I'm very honored to be up here, and I'm just very happy to just be able to speak the word. And you know, let's just jump right into a story I have for you. So like three years ago, I was out with my family in Hawaii, and we were going on this illegal hike. It's called the Haiku Steps, or the Stairway to Heaven. Um, and you know, we decided to sneak out of the hotel at like 3 a.m. in the morning, not telling our dad we were leaving. And we were like, so we got our sister's car and we drove to like Walmart, we got headlamps, we got, um, <laughs> we got a tarp, I guess it'd be raining. And you know, so we went up there and then there was a reason these, um, these steps are illegal because they're really dangerous. People have got seriously injured on them or you know, died and it's, and you know, my crazy being weird as we are, we decided to do it, so. I mean, it's, I don't know why we did it, but, you know, we decided to. But, you know, and as we're going up, I'm thinking to myself, I was like, dude, it's my birthday, plus it's Father's Day. And I'm like, what a great present to our dad if we all just wound up dead. (laughs) I'm like, happy Father's Day, dad. Sorry. (laughs) And, you know, I'm in it like, it's like making me nervous. And like, you know, we're making it up like 75% the mountain and we were like, you know what, we're gonna go back down. This is getting pretty scary. And then so it was like eight o'clock around that time, we reached the bottom, and there's a security guard waiting for us. And he says, I just called the cops, they'll be here in like seven minutes. This is a three thousand dollar fine for trespassing. And we're like, who's paying that? 
I, I can't pay that. I'm, I'm young. <laughs> um, but no, I'm like, I'm, I'm scared. I was like, I don't want to get arrested. I'm 16 years old. And so, you know, um, he gives us a different way out than what we came in because the cops were coming a different way. So we decided to like speed walk where we're going. And when we came to what looked like the right trail, my siblings decided to take it. And I was like, I don't, this doesn't seem right. I mean, I swear that the guy said, keep going down this path, but we decided to take it because I didn't want to speak up because I was afraid I was going to make a fool of myself because I was younger than them. And, you know, we ended up going through a jungle for like an hour. And I, we had no idea where we were going. We were getting, we were slipping in thorn bushes. We were getting soaked. We were getting beat up by bushes. And that was a low part of my life. Like, I was getting beat up by bushes. I never thought that happened. That was a low part of my life I don't want to go back to. And, like, after like an hour of this, you know, we finally got out of this jungle and we found our car. Man, it was like being set free from captivity. Oh, gosh. You know, and that just straight to my first verse, which is James 5, 19 through 20, which is my brothers and sisters. If one of you should wander from the truth, someone should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns the sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Save them from death. Wow. You know, that's like right into my first point too, which is have faith in restoration. And if you have ever been hiking, you know it can be pretty easy to get lost on a trail that you thought you were going down the right path, but it ended up, you know, you're lost. And if you've ever lived, you know it can be pretty easy to end up on the wrong part of life. And you're like, what? I don't know how I got here. Why am I here? I shouldn't be here. And you know, just because you found the wrong path doesn't mean the right path disappears. You know, if you found the right path, if you catch yourself or you catch someone else in the wrong path, Jesus can make a trail back to the right path. Because there's no corner you can hide. There's no jungle you can run into that you can hide from the light of Jesus. There's no place you can go that will run away from God. And as believers, it is our calling, it is our job to go out and to preach and to save and to try to bring people back to Jesus so he can save them and give them eternal life. We must have faith that God will restore people. We must also act on our faith to go out and welcome people back to the loving arms of Jesus. And it is by our faith that people will be saved, but it is also by our faith that people will return to Christ because they see the works of Jesus on your life. And they're like, I want that again because there's nothing in this world that can satisfy like Jesus does. So when they see that energy on you, when they see that joy in your life, they're like, I want that again. I remember that feeling. And, you know, even if it feels like they were hurt beyond, you know, recovery, still have faith. Continue to pray because Jesus can mend any hurt that was dealt by any pastor, any friend, or any family member. Jesus can mend over that and bring them back safely. And I promise you, not trying to offend them is way worse than letting them walk away and die in sin. We have to be more worried about their life than our feelings. Because our feelings are so small compared to the grand scheme of things that's going to be playing out here. And if we're to say we are a family, a church family, we need to treat each other like a church family. So when one of our family members wanders off, wouldn't we want to bring them back? Yeah. Unless it was my brother. He can stay out there. I'm, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, you know, like, wouldn't you want to bring them back to your arms and just hug them and say, welcome home? I've been waiting for you to come back. You know, that's how God is to us. You know, and we must not look down on these people. Because it says in Luke 1.16, he will bring back many people of the 
of Israel to the Lord their God. He will bring them back. And what I get from that is, you know, just because they wandered doesn't mean they're any less a child of God than you are. We are all called to be children of God. We are all children of God no matter what our situation is, no matter where we are in life, no matter what part of our walk we're on. We are all a child of God. And, you know, instead of going at them and despising them, we go to them with open arms and love because through this love they will hear the gentle whisper of God calling them back home. And, you know, we must have faith to go out of these church walls and demonstrate our faith to the world. Because, you know, our actions to others speak louder than words. So when we demonstrate our faith to the world, people take this way more than just us saying, oh, we're going to go all for the one. No, we need to say, we're going to go all for the one, and then we go do it. We got to follow up our words with our actions to show the world we're willing to do what it takes to save them. And just like Jesus did after, during his ministry, go and pray. He went and prayed about when God saved these people. We must pray that God will restore these people to their rightful position. And it is all about faith. All about faith. Remain in faith that God will restore these people. I may not know what your personal calling is, but what I do know is that we're all called to be children of God. We're all called to bring these people back home, these wanderers, because we must be willing to go after these wanderers. We must be willing to go all for the one. Thank you. Come on. Can we say that last point out loud? Have faith in restoration. Absolutely. I love that. That that is just a perfect reminder that it's really about Jesus, right? It's about Jesus makes the difference of where we are and where we should be, right? And it's, it's really God's grace. It's the grace of Jesus that comes and brings us back into the fold. Not that we could ever be the rescuer, right? But that Jesus made a way. Amen? Yeah. And you know, guys, just in this whole, um, this morning as we've been going through this whole passage of scripture, I just love it because I feel like um, James, he just kind of ends on a big note. Like, this is really the, the, like the anthem of this passage is he's saying, if you're in trouble, you should pray. And I think that that's just like a reminder. If we just looked at verse 13 and you just highlighted that and just focused on that this week, boy, what a difference it would make in your life, right? I love that it says, if you are in trouble, it doesn't say get overwhelmed. It doesn't say gossip. It doesn't say go to an unhealthy place for escape. It says you should pray. I love that because you know what? That, that's really when Jesus becomes alive is when you begin to speak to him and then listen. A lot of us, we, we do all the talking. And when we pray and stuff, it's like we go into prayer and all we do is talk. And um, I would encourage you that if you leave prayer and you still feel frustrated, you probably were complaining and not praying. And I would encourage you that when you go to God, that you speak, but that you also listen. That God is not in the fire, he's not in the wind, and he's not in the earthquake, he's in the small whispering voice. I believe that there are a lot of us in this room that we go to church and like Landon was saying, it, it's just a habit. It's like if we cracked our Bibles open at, at Starbucks, are you coming up to people and saying, oh, what church do you go to? Or are you saying, what's your relationship with Jesus look like? Is church just a habit of something that we just mark on the calendar and say, we just go on Sundays 
or is he a lifestyle? Is prayer a part of your lifestyle? Is worship and praise a part of your lifestyle? Is community a part of your lifestyle? We can't do it alone, can we? And I love what Mila was saying. She was saying, Jesus made a way. He becomes the access point of us to have a relationship with the Father. It's kind of like, it's kind of like if we were all at a Chuck E. Cheese, right? And I don't know where I'm going with this, but it, you get your raffle tickets, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm the best arcade player ever. Look at how many prizes I can get with this. And you're walking up to people and you're blessing them with some raffle tickets. And then you get to that big wall where there's all those gifts on the wall. And you remember that feeling where you're just like pulling them out of your jacket and just like, I got more, they're in my back pocket and you're pulling it out. But those tickets give you access to something great. I wonder how different our life would be if we knew that Jesus gives us access to peace, access to joy, access to love, access to patience. Patience is not waiting. Y'all got to wait for something. It's your attitude in that position. Prayer shifts that place where you get access to everything that you need. If you brought nothing to the table, but you have Jesus, you have everything. I pray that as we leave this place, we would shift our perspective on God, wouldn't get worried. You know, the overwhelmingness and confusion is not a character trait of our good Father. God does not want you to be overwhelmed today. Come to Him, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and our Father will give you rest. Amen?